Welcome to the book club where the size is just right, the books aren't too long, and you never need to host. That's our job. We bring best-selling and award-winning writers of every genre to Twin Cities metro area libraries to share their stories, discuss their work, and answer those burning questions you've always wanted to ask your favorite authors. This is a book club where we don't have to argue about what the author meant. They can tell us. The book club that doesn't require a clean house or wine and cheese. And in this book club, if you haven't read the book, it's all right. Although, we hope you'll be inspired to pick it up next time you're in the library. I'm your co-host, Slade Kemet, and you can consider the book club rewritten because this is Club Book. This season of Club Book looks and sounds a little different than our previous seasons. Due to COVID-19, we are bringing seasons to you virtually instead of our traditional live events hosted in libraries around the Twin Cities Metro. Our format will be a little different too. Events this season will consist of facilitated author discussions by some really great guest hosts. And will also include a Q&A section with questions submitted by our virtual audience. With that, I'll turn it over to our host for this evening's event. Enjoy. Welcome to Club Book with Abby Jimenez. I'm Dylan Crush, USA Today bestselling author of contemporary romance that will make you laugh, cry, and fall in love. And I'll be your moderator for tonight's event. Before I introduce Abby, I'd love to tell you a little bit more about the unique series that's bringing her to you. Club Book is a program of MELSA, the Metropolitan Library Service Agency, made possible through Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund and coordinated by Library Strategies, part of the Friends of the St. Paul Public Library. Scott County Library is the co-organizer of this evening's talk. Thanks also to partnering bookseller Red Bloom Bookshop. Without further ado, Food Network favorite Abby Jimenez is an award-winning pastry chef and the owner of the world-famous Nadia Cakes Cape Cupcakery and Custom Cake Studio. A self-taught baker, Jimenez won Food Network's Competitive Cupcake Wars in 2012. She parlayed her successes into her Minnesota-based small business, which now boasts outlets in Maple Grove, Woodbury, and Palmdale, California. Jimenez is also a USA Today bestselling romance writer. Publishers Weekly commended her debut, The Friend Zone, noting that biting wit and laugh-out-loud moments take priority, but the novel remains subtle in its sentimentality and sneaks up on the reader with unanticipated depth. Jimenez brings the same formula to Life's Too Short, which, hits, which hit shelves just last week. It follows a globetrotting social media superstar whose carefree lifestyle hits a road bump when she unexpectedly comes into custody of her baby niece. In a glowing review, romance mainstay Catherine St. John praised Jimenez's latest for refreshingly real characters and compulsively readable prose. Clear your schedule because you won't be able to put this delicious book down. I certainly agree with that. So if you have questions for Abby, simply drop them in the comments thread on Facebook and our tech manager will route them to me. If you'd prefer to ask a query a little bit more anonymously, you can also send a private message to Clubbook here on Facebook or send an email to clubbookmn at gmail.com. So welcome, Abby. Hey, thanks for doing this, Dylan. Absolutely. My pleasure. I was so excited when they invited me to, to chat with you. I also was able to get um, an advanced copy of the book, so I got to read it before anybody else did, and I absolutely mm -hmm. loved it. So 
Um, you're going to tell us a little bit about the book. And then I know I've got some questions. We've also got some questions that viewers sent in ahead of time in preparation for tonight's event. And, um, and then we'll see what comes our way as we talk. So okay. can you tell us a little bit about Life's Too Short? So this is what she looks like. Um, Life's Too Short is my third novel. And it's set in the friend zone universe. So it is a standalone novel. You don't have to read the others to understand what's going on in this book, but it is super fun if you did read the others because we get some shared characters in here and that it's a nice little cameo. Um, Life's Too Short is about a famous travel blogger and she's grounded from her international travels after her sister leaves her baby on Vanessa's doorstep. Uh, Vanessa is stuck in her apartment. She can't go about her normal daily routine and she meets the very handsome next door neighbor, Adrian Copeland. He's like the hot lawyer from next door. Uh, and Adrian ends up um, helping her with the baby and they fall into this like really sweet um, friendship that develops into something more. Uh, but the, there's one catch though, is that Adrian does not realize that Vanessa is a famous YouTuber because ALS runs in her family and she's got this... Um, 50% chance of developing a disease. She doesn't know if she carries a gene. She can't test for it. Um, so she lives every day like each day is her last, which makes her so wonderful. And she's such a charismatic character and, and makes her really somebody that Adrian falls in love with, but he doesn't realize that she might not be here in a year. So it's a it's it's going to make you laugh. It's going to make you cry. Um, it is a romance. So we do have to give you a happy for now or happy ever after. So I will make you whole and safe at the end, but it, it's quite quite the ride getting there. Definitely was. Yes. I know I, I was reading it late into the night and I mean, you know, you get those books, you just can't put them down. And so I, I couldn't wait. I couldn't go to sleep until I knew that everything was going to be okay. Cause you kind of drop a bomb towards the end and then you have to, to make sure that, that you get that happy ever after happy for now, you know, it's coming because it's a romance, but, yeah. but yeah, it's always interesting to see how the author gets you there. So yeah, when I was reading it, um, cause I, I got the audio book, you know, a couple of months before the book came out. And really like everything's pretty good until right up until that last bit. And you're like, wait, wait, how's she gonna fix this in this amount yes. of time? Um, but yes, it, it will make you whole at the end, but my books are known to make, they are known to make you cry. If it doesn't make you cry, it's not an Abby Jimenez, right? Um, but I'm so proud of this book. It's, it's so fun. It's getting such a, a great reception. And I know it sounds weird just based on the, the subject, matter, but it is a rom-com. So there's a lot of laugh out loud moments in it. Um, you know, Vanessa and Adrian are both very dynamic characters that you will absolutely love. And, and um, I think you'll enjoy living in their heads for a while. They were both phenomenal. Um, I really enjoyed both of them. And I think what was so interesting to me too, was just, you know, it is a rom-com, but you aren't afraid to tackle the hard subjects. So, you know, I mean, we had, I don't want to give away too many spoilers but you know i mean you had the als you had his his um, broken relationship with his family that needed to be healed you had her broken relationships with her family um her sister you know everybody her dad had issues her sister had issues but you know i, I think just handling all of that with humor and and the heart and it just it just gives you all the feels i i was very um blown away by just how you wrapped everything up and and um were able to to give everybody what they needed so yeah and i love tackling hard issues in, in my books because i mean that's real life you know right. um and i think i think there can be levity around the crappy things that happen to us um so that's just one thing i really enjoy putting in my books and i especially enjoy exploring things that 
um, you know, women deal with on their day-to-day lives, you know, or throughout the course of their lives. So I always try and put those things in my books. I want some, I want people to walk away feeling like they learned something. Um, And I've had a lot of people tell me that they really were unaware of of ALS um, until they read this book and they're like, you know, they had no idea. So I'm really glad that it's also raising awareness for what is a very difficult um, and, and fatal disease. Yes. Yeah, I um, wasn't aware of that when I first started the book. Um, and a friend of mine's sister just recently got diagnosed. So it was um, just very touching to kind of get a little bit of an insider's view of that journey. Mm-hmm. So, well, I have some questions. Um, and we're we've got some of the readers have already submitted or viewers have already submitted. Um, but mine are kind of a little bit more just about, you know, in general. And then I think we'll dive a little bit more into the book. So I wanted to know, first off, what drew you to romance? And have you always been a romance reader? Oh, gosh, yes. Um, I remember reading like the, you know, the historic, the historicals, like the bodice rippers back in um, high school. I used to just blow through them. I would probably read two or three a week. Uh, And I've always loved romance side plots, like in any movie, in any book I read. I just, I love romance. Um, So when I decided to start writing, romance was just like a natural fit for me, but I actually started writing YA romance. Um, yeah, like I wrote this really horrible YA dystopian book and that was the one that got me into like the whole writing thing in the first place. Um, I wrote this super long, really awful YA dystopian romance and ended up trunking it ultimately because it was so bad. But um, everyone told me, like all my my critique partners that read this book told me that I was really great with dialogue. So I decided to you know, do what I was good at. Um, I switched to contemporary romance. Um, I changed from third person to first person POV because I feel like you get a little bit closer to the characters when you're in first person because you're literally in their head. Um, and I sat down and I wrote uh, the Happy Ever After playlist. So that was actually the first book that I wrote. And then I went back in time and wrote the Friend Zone um, so we could live through the events that made the main character in the Happy Ever After playlist who she was. And that's how I got my start with romance. But I just, I love the genre. And I don't think it gets enough credit. Like, I really do not think it gets enough credit. I think people have this um, preconceived notion about what romance is. And all I can say to those people is, pick up a romance novel. Just give it a shot. I know you, I know you think you know what it is, but just pick one up. Because it really does take skill to write romance. You know, just like when you're reading a thriller and your heart's pounding, you know, or you're reading, um, you know, a scary novel and it's, you know, you're scared, we have to make you fall in love and that takes skill. I mean, literally evoke emotion. It's a very nuanced genre to write. Um, It's not easy to get it right. So, you know, a really well-written romance is just, it's incredible. So I I absolutely love my genre and I want more people to read it and I want more indie bookstores to sell it. (laughs) So have you had readers um, come back to you and say they were surprised that this was a romance? Oh, yes. I've actually had people, you know, because I have a lot of followers that come from other areas. Um, You know, I had a couple of funny stories go viral on the internet. So I had people following me for that. And they thought I was funny on the internet. So they decided to read my book. So I brought a lot of people to the romance genre that were not necessarily romance readers. And they're like, I don't like romance, but I like this. Well, if you like my books, guys, guess what? You do actually like romance because there's a lot of books just like mine out there um, that really do a great job with the genre. So um, yeah, I get a lot of people that are that are quite surprised that this is what I write and um, that they like it. So again, I highly recommend giving it a shot. 
Um, there's so many smart romances out there. There's so many, and there's so many little subgenres of romance. Um, I mean, you write cowboy romances. Mm-hmm. I, I love cowboy romances. They are so fun. Um, they've got small town romances. They've got big city romances. They've got uh, enemies to lovers. There's friends to lovers. That's what I like to write. There's so many different genres. And honestly, I just, I, I, I try and encourage people to pick it up, even if they think they won't like it, because I think it'll surprise them. Right. Well, and it seems like there's something for everyone. You know, I mean, there's, there's contemporary romance, then there's, there's Amish romance. I mean, there's, you know, sweet romance that doesn't have any of the steamy bits in it. There's alien romance, uh, sports romance, I I think, you know, military romance. I I think there's um, something for everybody and it kind of crosses, you know, you can get it as steamy or as, as sweet as you want and everything in between. So it's definitely, definitely a a huge genre. Um, What does your writing process look like? Let's go kind of a little bit behind the curtain now and tell us a little bit about, are you a plotter or a pantser or do you fall somewhere in between? Um, I used to very much be a pantser, but now because my editor, if I, if I don't write what she's expecting, um, I end up having to redo it. So now I do give her, um, a, you know, a synopsis with broad strokes in it. And if she likes what I've got, then I sit down and I write, but I, I really don't map things out. I don't go like chapter to chapter. I don't write like, you know, very, um, detailed outlines of what I'm about to do. And I kind of let the characters take me where they're going to take me. You know, I, I, by the time I sit down to write, I've got a really good idea of where everything's going and how the story's going to end. Um, but I, I don't stick to that. Like it's not a hard rule that I stick to it. And I mm-hmm. write on my cell phone. Most of what I write is on my cell phone. Gosh. <laughs> I know I always get like this. I, I, people are like, show us your workspace. And it's like, I'm sorry, I don't have one. I don't even have a desk. I have no desk. I have no office. Um, if I do write on my laptop, it's just my laptop on my lap. Um, my husband got me all of these little like, you know, trays, like laptop trays to put on my lap so I can have like some sort of face, but that's a very new development. He, he just bought those from like six weeks ago. Um, you know, I, I will write on my cell phone on a walk, um, floating in a lake. I will uh, write in the bathtub. I just love the versatility of being able to use my cell phone because I'm gonna have an idea, I can just write it down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not really like tied into having to be in a certain space when I do it. So yeah, that's my process. And it's a little bit rogue and it's a little bit um, unstructured, but it really works for me. Well, and I think there is no one ri- one right way to do it. I mean, I think, you know, there are people that there are probably as many books on how to write books, you know, as there are books out there. And I think, you know, everybody has to find the path that works for them. So I am just amazed and in awe that you can write an entire book on your cell phone. I've done scenes and things before, but, you know, I, I am better at typing. I I don't know how long it would take me to, (laughs) to do all that with my thumbs. So you must be very fast, fast at texting. I am. I'm really good at it. Um, And, you know, if I have to do large edits or like a a large read through or some really serious, like I'm going to sit there and just, you know, I need to type out two or three chapters. I'll pull out my laptop, but you know, just the, the phone thing just makes it so easy for me. So Mm -hmm. I just find that I just do most of it on my phone. Have you ever tried dictating? No, but even when I try dictating, just like text messages, they come out so weird. (laughs) I'm just afraid. I would be afraid to try that. Yep. No, I've heard a lot of people have had a lot of success with dictation, but I haven't figured out how to make that work for me yet either. 
Do you have any quirky writing habits or routines if you're pretty mobile and, and don't really have a, a home base for your office? You know, is there anything, you know, some authors have to have, you know, the cup of tea next to them or they have to have the cat in their lap or, you know, diffusing peppermint or something. Is there anything that that helps you get into the writing mood or? Yeah, I, I read about this one author who she doesn't, every book has a different scent. So mm-hmm. she wears a different perfume for every book. I wish I was that, I wish I had my act together that much, but I don't. Um, I I get a bunch of snacks because for some reason I need to carb overload whenever I eat. Um, and that's about it. Um, you know, I, honestly, like I really don't have any sort of routine other than I don't, I try not to write until after 12 o'clock noon because I find I'm just not awake enough yet. Okay. And I end up having to redo things that I write. Like I miss, I like will miss entire words, you know, also I'll eat first. I'll make sure I have coffee first, that I've been awake for a few hours and then I'll sit down or walk and write. Um, but yeah, I really, there's no structure. It's just kind of wild. And I just kind of do whatever, whatever I fancy doing in that moment. That's fantastic. We do have a question coming in from Facebook that kind of goes along with what we're talking about now. Um, someone wants to know what is the most difficult part of your writing process? You know, I get very intimidated when I start a new book and I just think about like, you know, okay, like right now I'm about 125 pages into my fifth book um, that doesn't come out until 2023, but it's very overwhelming to think like there's there's nothing like I only have 125 pages of this. There's nothing else. If I stop writing right now, this story just, it, it never, it's not going to happen. You know, just having blank pages in front of you is, is very intimidating. Um, you know, even if you have like a very rough first draft, but it's a finished draft, it's like, okay, at least there's this, I can fill in things and I can, you know, add details and I can, you know, puff it up and I can make it better. But when there's just nothing in front of you, like, and it's just, you, it has to come out of your brain and you've got to create that. I find that to be really intimidating. Um, so that's probably the hardest part for me. Um, I, I really enjoy doing the edits that my editor asks me for. Um, I find it really challenging to try and rework a story that I thought was maybe done, you know, and getting her feedback and seeing it a different way and, you know, letting my brain really think about it and then rework it. I actually enjoy that part of the process. Um, once the initial freak out is, is passed that she needs changes. Um, but yeah, I, I really don't have, um, there's not too much of it that I, that I don't enjoy, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really like writing. It's, it's, it is my calling, I think. Well, you definitely, I think, um, have found your calling with that. And also, I mean, that kind of takes us into working at Nadia Cakes and and the empire that you've built there. I mean, I, I kind of feel like you are successful as, you know, a, a cupcake business owner, bakery owner, and then also as a writer. Is there anything that you can't do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't do math at all. So you guys are, you guys are safe. Um, there's stuff I can't do. Um, no, but I... I really enjoy the things that I really enjoy and I really enjoyed baking and I really enjoyed writing. And because I enjoyed those things so much, I was able to get really, really good at them. I think when you um, like something, it's not hard to practice it. And that's just what I did. I, I loved baking and I loved it so much that I started a cake business out of my house and it ended up turning into a bakery. And I'm just very fortunate that the things that I love doing are things other people like to buy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the writing was the same thing. It started as a hobby. It was, I never in a million years thought I would be publishing books. Never, never, never. It was just, I just was playing around. It was creative writing for me. And 
it just turned into something that I was good at. You know, I practiced the heck out of it and got really good at it. And, you know, here we are. But I never went to school for either thing. Um, I never went to culinary school. I never went to college for anything. Um, I think if you really, you know, work at stuff, you can, you can make a go of it. Yep. Well, I think, yes, drive determination. And, and yeah, I think that that can take you a long way. So what is your favorite cupcake since you're local when I live in the South Metro, so there's not a naughty cakes by me, but I fully intend on taking my family on a, a little field trip <laughs> sometime soon and want to know what is your favorite cupcake on the menu? You know, the brownie cupcake, we have it every day and that one is very good. I actually really like our gluten-free chocolate. Um, we've got a gluten-free chocolate, salted caramel. It's got a dolce filling in the inside and a caramel frosting. Um, if we're talking about like the rotating flavors, uh, the Andes mint brownie is one of my ultimate favorites. The coconut lime verbena is very, very good. I will actually come into the shop for that one. Um, and the bacon and French toast that I did on cupcake wars. I love that cupcake. Love yeah, that it. sounds delicious. Mm -hmm. All right. I'll have to make sure that we get at least, I'll go back and, and record this. I'll watch the recording so that I can <laughs> write down which ones you said to get. So when you're not writing or baking, if there ever is such a time, what do you do for fun or to refill your creative well? Um, I cook a lot. I cook a lot. I actually share recipes on Instagram. Um, I've got a little highlight tab if you want to see what I've cooked previously, but I really, really, really love cooking. I actually, I don't bake anymore. Um, I got really burnt out on baking and I just it's not a thing that I enjoy doing anymore because it turned into work. Um, but I absolutely love to cook. Um, I like trying different recipes. I make new stuff all the time. So that's kind of what I do. And you can tell when I'm not working on a book because of how much cooking I'm posting in my Instagram stories. Um, if I'm not working on a book, I'm cooking like crazy, which is great because I always cook more than I need and then I freeze it. So then when I am working on a book, I just have a meal already made and I can pop it in the oven and my kids are fed. <laughs> you don't have to rely on takeout. <laughs> yes. Um, so I do have some questions that were sent in ahead of time. I'm going to go into those. The first one, Vanessa Price is a YouTube starlet. And that brings to mind for me, the author's own claim to social media celebrity. Is your heroine in any way autobiographical and which of your several protagonists is most like you? Hmm. I could definitely draw on my, my very small internet fame. Um, you know, like I said before, I had a couple of posts go viral. So I definitely know what it's like to, to feel like a lot of people that you don't know are, you know, watching what you're doing or reading something that you wrote, um, which is very much Vanessa's life. Um, but, you know, I'd have to say if I'm, if I'm like any of my characters, I think it would probably be like Sloan from the Happy Ever After playlist. Um, they say that your first book is always like a little bit like about you, you know, because um, you're not ready to write from somebody else's perspective just yet. So really, like when I think about, you know, who Sloan is, I think I funneled a lot of like my own reactions and my own takes on life through that character. Um, she gets flustered very easily. <laughs> she, she doesn't like to be the center of attention. Um, she's got this crazy best friend that's always pulling pranks on her, which my best friend does. Um, so yeah, I'd say it's probably Sloan more than Vanessa. And, and I know, you know, people are coming into the book thinking they're going to get like a book about this famous person. Um, 
you know, really we get the other side of Vanessa and life's too short. You know, while she is a, a famous international YouTuber and she definitely gets recognized places, um, we really don't see that side of her. We see um, the more human side of her, you know, the other side, the not famous side. So I've, I actually had some people that are like, oh, I don't like reading, you know, books about YouTubers or, you know, famous people. And the book really doesn't feel like that. Mm -hmm. No, it was definitely a lot more about her relationships with her family and with Adrian and, and yeah, like you said, kind of the other side of it. it yeah. Didn't really touch on too much of that at all. Um, next question. Are you a fan of any travel log bloggers or YouTubers like Vanessa? If not, what kinds of shows and YouTube channels do you follow? And they said, don't hesitate to name cooking and baking ones. Um, you know, I really love Bailey Sarian like so much. And I almost wrote her into the book. Um, but I was like, you know what? I, I just, I'm going to try and stick with fictional characters for this just in case, you know, because it's like there's a part, there's a part in the book that's mentioned the Chrissy Teigen, um, tweets something. And now Chrissy Teigen isn't on Twitter anymore. So it's like, ugh. you know, so you always run that risk when you put real people into a book, you know, like if, if they're going to be there in, next week or, you know, because they're real people. Um, but I absolutely love Bailey Sarian. And I almost, it was this close to writing her into a book. Um, what she does is she's a makeup artist and she tells real true crime stories while she does her makeup. And she's just so talented like oh my gosh she's amazing um i love brad mondo um he's a hairstylist and he watches fail videos and like talks through it you know so you can get his take on it i just love him too um but yeah i don't really follow any travel vloggers to be honest those are really the only two youtubers that i can honestly say that i watch on any regular basis that i subscribe to um Next question, what research did you do on Lou Gehrig's disease to make those, those plot lines seem believable? Did you have to do any research into drug abuse? I did a ton of reading to get the ALS stuff right, just a ton of reading. Um, for the addiction stuff, again, a ton of reading. And I actually talked, I talked to a pharmacist. Um, I've got, I have several people that I have like on speed dial. Mm -hmm. um, I've got an ER nurse on speed dial. I've got emergency room doctors on speed dial. I've got um, sheriff's detectives on speed dial and I have a pharmacist on speed dial. So I talked to her quite a bit about um, addiction, you know, what kind of pills um, Annabelle might take, how much of them she would take. And then, you know, I might have my own, a little bit of my own life experience with people in my life that have struggled with addiction as well, which I don't always name people um, or come forth and talk about the people that inspire certain things in my books. But let's just say that there's things that I've seen. And I think if the book feels authentic to you, it's because there are parts of that book that are authentic. Mm -hmm. um, I think that I, I did the addiction aspect justice. I think I did the ALS aspect justice. Actually, there was an ALS advocate that just read um, Life's Too Short. And she was like, this is so accurate. She's like, thank you so much for you know, writing this book. Mm -hmm. So, and I think I'm gonna actually do a little fundraiser for um, ALS Awareness Month, which is the month of May. Um, I've got a lot of people asking me where they can get Stuntman Mike stickers. Stuntman Mike is my dog. I wrote him into the friend zone. Um, and I think I'm actually going to be doing a fundraiser using those stickers um, and then donating funds to ALS research. Okay. So, yeah, but it is a truly horrible disease. Mm -hmm. I'm very glad that the book is going to bring awareness to it because I don't think that there's enough uh, funding for it. And I don't think that there's enough awareness for it because they're the advocates, the people that would become advocates for this disease, they don't survive it. They die. 
So it's, I'm glad that I was able to choose that topic for this book. Mm-hmm. No, I, like I said, I, I don't have ex- personal experience with it, but it, it felt very authentic to me. Um, and I definitely appreciated being to hear someone's perspective and just the fear, you know, that she lives with every day of the unknown. Um, I mean, I, I think the way that, that you wrote Vanessa's character, how, you know, you can either let that bury you or you can do the reverse, which is what she's done and basically try to live each day like it's her last. And so, yeah, I thought that dynamic was really interesting. Yeah, so Vanessa has a really, a really beautiful way of living. Um, you know, and she says at one, you know, one point in the book, and this is not a spoiler, but she says, you know, what choice do I have but to live like this? Because she doesn't have a choice. You know, she can allow this disease to um, chip away at her a little bit at a time, or she can decide to be happy and save nothing for later and enjoy life every single day, treat it like it's a gift. And that's what she's done. And it's a, there's a lot of really wonderful messages in this book. Even when I read the book, I'm like, gosh, I need to be more like Vanessa. <laughs> well, and also very timely when you say don't save things for later. I mean, I think, you know, where we are right now with everything that's going on in the world. And, and um, I mean, I thought that was just very timely advice that yeah. I took personally as well. So mm-hmm. thank you for that. So we did have a follow-up question that just came in on Facebook. Speaking of research, have you gone down other interesting research rabbit holes in your years as a novelist? I'm always going down rabbit holes. Um, <laughs> I've ha- I have gone down some very, very, very strange rabbit holes. Um, let's see, for my fourth book, um, Part of Your World, which comes out next April, uh, that book is about an ER doctor. So I had to do tons and tons and tons of research on interesting ER cases and, you know, <laughs> the people that come through the ER. So I'm not going to spoil it and give you guys any idea what, what kind of cases that are going to be in there, but just know that I spent several days um, looking for the craziest ER visits um, out there in the universe. So that's going to be a really fun book. But yeah, pretty much every aspect of the book, I try and research it to make sure that it's accurate. You know, there's one scene where um, Adrian's in the hallway and, you know, he's saying some legal stuff. And I interviewed three lawyers for this book. Um, I interviewed a family law attorney and two criminal defense attorneys just to make sure that I'm getting all of these things correct. Because I don't want anyone to ever be thrown out of the story because, you know, of of some, you know, poorly done detail. And just so you know, if there ever is a poorly done detail in my book, please never think it is the people that I interviewed that gave me bad information. It was just me interpreting it badly. Um, But I really do try and do my due diligence to make sure I get stuff right. Well, it, romance readers are smart and they know yeah. <laughs> there, are, there are a lot of, um, actually they joke that um, there are a lot of romance novelists that um, were also lawyers, the reformed lawyers. So there, there are a lot of, of smart readers in romance and, and they'll, they'll catch you on some of that stuff. If you don't yeah. So, so another question from um, a viewer we just finished the happily ever after playlist and i'm surprised to see you already have a new book for me to read the best kind of surprised of course how do you juggle your writing commitments and baking business commitments it must add up to a lot you know um when i started to write nadia cakes was very much a well-oiled machine at that point we have three locations um each location has a store manager it has an assistant manager and you know honestly we've got team members that have been there we still have our very first employee ever, like from the day we opened in 2009. So we we retain our staff um, and the shops are very easily run. My husband um, runs the back end with me. 
So you know, we're just kind of in our routine already. I'm not in the shops on a day-to-day -day basis baking anymore. So I was already in a position where I could sit down and have this hobby, you know, and start writing. Um, so, I mean, there are times where Naughty Cakes does require my presence and I do have to, you know, step in and, and be an active part of running the day-to-day, -day, but it's not very often. So I really am able to focus on the author side right now. I've got very good people that work for me. <laughs> that makes all the difference. All right, let's see, we had a question come in from email. You mentioned you were a few manuscripts ahead of what's published. How do you come by ideas? How do you capture them before you're able to sit down to that book? Uh, you know, I've got a lot of ideas. And um, usually what I do when I'm trying to figure out what I'm gonna write next is I will send my editor a list of like, just sort of like really quick elevator pitches. Like, you know, what about this? What about this? What about this? And then she tells me what she likes. And she's got such, such a broad global perspective. You know, she knows what's hot, what's been done recently, what's coming out. Um, so she's able to give me um, a really good like take on what I should be focusing on next. Once um, she tells me what she wants me to focus on next, then I will think about it for a few weeks um, and sit down and write a synopsis for her. And then I'll send that to her. And if she likes that, then that's how I kind of know what to write. But in terms of like where I get my ideas, they come from all over. They come from all over. Um, for Life's Too Short, I actually had um, written a book that I ended up trunking that I didn't end up using. And Adrian Copeland was a main character in that book. And um, I decided that I really wanted to write his story. So I built Life's Too Short around Adrian Copeland's character, which is not normally what I do. Normally I write my female character or I know my female character first, and then I write the man that's perfect for her. And in this case, I knew Adrian first and I wrote the woman that he needed. Mm -hmm. um, he needed somebody that was gonna get him out of his workaholic ways and was gonna um, show him a new way of living and teach him to live life for the now because um, Adrian Copeland is a very big control freak. And um, conversely, to make the romance challenging, um, I needed to give him his worst nightmare, which was complete and utter lack of control. And what other way would um, a guy like Adrian Copeland lose control other than if the woman he loved possibly had a terminal disease? Mm -hmm. So that's how I came up with the plot line for ALS. Um, the Happy Ever After playlist was based loosely on a friend that I saw struggling with complicated grief uh, after her husband passed away unexpectedly at a young age. And um, the friend zone was based on my best friend's real life struggle with infertility. So that's how I get my ideas. Um, they kind of come out of nowhere and they can be little, you know, just little nuggets and I can just grab it and take it and run with it. Well, and while you were talking, we had another question come in. Um, someone says, I had a boyfriend in Palmdale. So you know what I'm going to ask. How is there a store in California? Um, I lived in Palmdale. I actually grew up in the Antelope Valley. Um, I went to high school out there um, and my husband and I lived there with our kids. So I started the bakery business out of my house. And two years after I started out of my house, we opened up a retail store down the street from where we lived and that was Palmdale. So that's how we ended up in Palmdale. The bigger question is how did I end up in Minnesota? Because we knew nobody here. Um, I'm in Minnesota now. We've been living here since 2011. Um, we just decided we wanted to live somewhere that had seasons, um, that it was a little bit more affordable and we wanted to open up more shops and we didn't want to do it in California. So we took a five week cross country trip and went through all the States that we were considering and came to Minnesota, really liked it. And three months later, packed up our whole house 
and moved to Minnesota. And so that's how I moved to Minnesota. So yeah, the Palmdale question isn't really crazy. It's <laughs> Minnesota. It's, how did I get to Minnesota? That's a crazy question. That is really funny. I grew up in Texas and love brought me to Minnesota is what I always say because my husband took a job here. And so I followed him here and we got married. But um, that's funny because, you know, I always have people asking me, what do you think about the winters? And <laughs> so from California, same thing. Um, yeah, I said, it's nice to have four seasons for a change, but one of them just lasts a little bit too long. It, it really does. There was that one year where, where we got like 12 inches in May. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Like that was, <laughs> Starting to that, rethink that a little. <laughs> that year hit hard. That was a hard year. Um, you know, but I really, I do love the seasons. I, it's so pretty here. Um, and I was going to ask you, like, how did you, because you write cowboy romances. So you must have grown up around cowboys. And that answers my question. <laughs> yes, cowboys in Texas. <laughs> yeah, when, when we were talking about cowboys, same as you, you know, you kind of talked to your editor about what's going to work. And she said, how about cowboys? This, they'll have to be Texas because that's the only state I know. So, And it's good to write what you know, because then it feels authentic. Right. Yeah. Right. All right. Question about your book covers. They want to know who designs your book jackets. Do you have any say in that art? And is it just a coincidence that the bright colors bring to mind Nadia Cakes for me? Um, I actually have no say on my book covers or what's written on the back jacket. I mean, well, technically I have no say. They, they do send it to me. What do you think? And they do take my feedback into account. Um, I've never had to be like, I hate this. Please don't do it. You know, like that's never happened because um, they're so good at what they do over there. But technically your publisher has 100% leeway to put whatever they want on the cover of your book and to market your book however they want including the little synopsis that's written on the back cover, but um, they just do such a good job. I love my covers so much. Um, I would like to take credit for them and say, oh yes, this is Naughty Cakes inspired, I, but it's not. <laughs> I have no control over them. I have to say though that my absolute favorite cover um, is the cover for Part of Your World, my book that's coming out next April. They did such a good job with it. I think it's my favorite one yet, but I can't share it with anyone yet. So, but it's really cute. They just do a very good job. Well, and you make cupcakes to match your covers. I saw on your, your Facebook page that you had a, a cupcake that was designed with the colors from your current cover, so. Yeah, we do a cupcake at the shop for the entire month of publication for each book. So there's a cupcake, it's a strawberry guava cupcake that looks like the cover of Life's Too Short. So you can get the book. Actually, there's signed copies at all my Minnesota locations. Um, so you can go in and get a signed copy of the book and get a matching cupcake and do a little photo shoot and then read and eat cupcakes for the rest of the night. That sounds like a wonderful way to spend an evening. It does. <laughs> I think you should start hosting book club meetings at Nadia Cakes once things open back up again. So I would have, love to. And have books and we can have cupcakes at the same time. That would be great. Um, the next question, I picked up a book of yours based on a blurb from Jenny Holiday, whom I love. Does a writer have to seek out their own book quotes from other authors, or is that something your publisher does for you? Um, my publisher usually does that for me because they have all the back channels that I don't have. I mean, I definitely know, um, you know, I, I've met so many authors since I've become published, and I definitely have their cell phones, and I can text them and ask them, but you know, usually the, your editor will reach out to, you know, a handful of different authors that they think might like your book and they will politely ask their publicist if 
they would be interested in reading it. And if they do read it and they want to blurb it, um, that they would be very grateful for that. So that's one of the really cool things about being an author. I've, I can get my hands on any book that I want before it comes out, um, which is really fun. You know, you ask like, hey, so can I get the new Fair Roshan book? And I just got it yesterday. So, and it doesn't come out till August. So it's, that's definitely a perk of being an, an author. Good to have those connections. Yes. All right, let's see. This one is a, a little bit about audio. I haven't read your books, but I listened to them. Teddy Hamilton is one of my favorite audiobook narrators for romance. So that was a treat listening to him read the book. What role, if any, did you have in the audio productions of your books? Now, I am actually very, very involved in the audiobook productions of my books because most of what I read, I'd say a solid, like 99% of the books I read, I read via audiobook. Um, I absolutely love audiobooks. I'm obsessed. Like, I think for a lot of authors, when they get their book in their hand, you know, this is like the big deal for them. But for me, it's when I get my audiobook. That's the big deal for me. That's when it feels real. I get so excited when the book opens up and it's like, hash it, audio presents author Abby Jimenez. I'm like, oh my God, this is real. Um, but I'm very involved in the audiobook um, production. What I usually do is I write a very detailed um, spreadsheet of certain aspects of the book. Like, hey, this is, you know, this is the actor or the character on TV that inspired this character in the book. So here's a clip and go see how they talk. And that's how this character would talk. Um, I've sent clips on how to say, um, Minnesota words like boat <laughs> because I want them to say it right because the characters are in Minnesota. Um, when I get the audiobook, if there's mispronunciations, I will actually email my editor and be like, hi, they mispronounced Edina. Can you please fix that? Um, because, you know, a lot of my readers are from Minnesota and I want them to say these words right because these characters are in Minnesota. Um, so I'm very involved and I do pick my, my voice actors as well. Um, you know, it's not guaranteed that I'll get who I pick, but so far I have gotten who I've picked. Um, I really love Zachary Weber. He just does such a good job. And I got Christine Lakin for this book. Um, she was on Step by Step. So very professional, professional actors narrated this book and the, it's fabulous. It's actually an Apple book, um, audio book of the month. Oh, congratulations. Yes, I'm so excited. Yeah, audio has definitely upped their game. Um, some of the the audiobook narrators, I mean, they, they have their own fandoms, mm -hmm. um, people that follow them and will just, you know, pick up the books that they're reading. And I mean, some of the voices, they do such a good job. <laughs> they really do a good job. I, I absolutely love the audiobook part of it. Um, and for Life's Too Short, they did accents in the book, um, Australian accents, which I was like, oh, I love this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we had one come in through Facebook. Abby, you have chosen to really connect with your readers in so many ways, putting us in your acknowledgements, for example. Why have you chosen to connect with us more so than other authors? P.S. We are eternally grateful. <laughs> I love my readers. They're so fun. Um, my favorite place to be on the whole internet is in my reader group. Um, they're just, I just love them. It's like, I've created these worlds that I, I love these worlds that I've created. I love these worlds. I feel like I know these people and it is so fun to talk to other people that also know and love these worlds. Um, you know, like we have this shared passion. 
Um, so yeah, I do. I definitely engage a ton with my readers. Um, I love my readers. I would die for my readers. Um, I've been actually doing this like TikTok thing where I, you know, go to different stores, wherever I'm at, I look, I seek out a Target or Barnes and Noble to sign books. Mm -hmm. so that my readers can find little, you know, these really cute little special signed books in their local bookstores. Um, yeah, I just love them. I, I don't know why more authors don't engage more with their readers. They're the best. <laughs> well, and the readers are the ones that make it possible for us to do what we do. So yeah, yeah. no, I think you treat your readers like gold. <laughs> yes, they are gold. I love them. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there was actually another question that came in similar to that through Twitter. Um, talking about how you're getting a reputation for being an author as someone who really engages with her audience. And what are your strategies for doing that? Do you enjoy that reader engagement piece of the process, which I mean, it sounds like, yes, you absolutely do. But um, it's, do you have any it's, strategies for that or? There's no strategy. It's definitely not a forced thing. It's not like a, it's definitely not a strategy. Um, basically, <laughs> I just post whatever I'm doing, you know, like on Instagram, I'll post if I'm cooking and I'll post recipes and I'll post things that I think are funny. Um, and I just, I, I just organically engage with my readers. There's no like agenda or, you know, strategy to it. I wish I could tell you how to do it, but I, I can't, I just do whatever, if, you know, feels right. Um, and in particular in my group, I try and engage as much as possible and always respond to people in the group, you know, if they have questions, um, and I just, I, I just genuinely enjoy it. So it doesn't, it doesn't feel like work. You know, it doesn't feel like a, like I'm doing anything. I just feel like I'm hanging out with my friends. Is what it feels like. Well, and I think that's what feels so genuine about it. I mean, if there is a strategy behind it and you know, you're, you're not being genuine and actually trying to connect with people, then I think people can feel that too. So whatever you're doing is definitely working because it sounds like they feel, they feel the love. So well, good, because I do love them, and I'm having so much fun with them. <laughs> Let's see, we've got another one coming in. What advice would you give to an aspiring writer in contemporary romance? Um, well, I would recommend getting on the site Critique Circle, because that site uh, made my writing what it is today. I feel like a broken record because I'm always talking about Critique Circle, but quite frankly, if it was not for Critique Circle, I would not be here, like straight up. Um, it's a tit for tat community. Um, you read other people's work and they critique yours and you critique theirs. Um, and they basically help you become a better writer. The, the site is full of resources um, so that you can learn how to write a query letter, um, you know, learn the distinction between traditional publishing and self-publishing. I mean, you name it, that site has, has resources for you. I, it is such an amazing place to be if you're trying to learn how to write or learn how to do anything. Um, in terms of becoming an author. I have not heard of that before. I heard you mention that I was listening to a, a podcast that you were on recently and I heard you mention it there. So I yes. haven't had a chance to check that out. I'll have to check that out for sure. It was like a boot camp for me. Um, Cause I went into this, like I said, having no background in writing and I was on critique circle for six months, solid 12 hours a day. Like it's, <laughs> it's work, you know, because it is a tit for tat community. So, you know, you have to read other people's stories and critique theirs to be able to get credits to put your stories in. Um, so, I mean, it is a ton of work, but I got so much out of it and it really, really helped um, develop me as a writer. All right. So go check out that website if you're looking to get into writing contemporary romance. Um, let's see. So Facebook question coming in. Do you have any famous fans who have reached out to you online or who you've heard about through the grapevine? 
I chat a lot with Ashley Spitty. Um, she's got a book club and I really, really love her. She actually, um, I talked to her a little bit about some elements for my fourth book um, that she was very helpful um, with for me. Um, other than that, I mean, not really, other than other authors. Mm -hmm. I feel so cool knowing other authors. Honestly, I don't even know that I would fangirl over anyone who is in Tom Hiddleston that happened, I met him and I was very not cool. Um, but other than Tom Hiddleston, I I don't really know that I would fangirl over anyone other than other authors. Like Emily Henry, I'm obsessed with her. I love her. Casey McQuiston, I absolutely love her. Um, you know, I've got access to all of these really big authors and that is so very cool. And I think that is probably the coolest thing for me. Jenny Lawson got one of our dumpster fire cookie kits from Nadia Cakes and made it and put it on Twitter and it slid down my timeline and I was like, oh my God, oh, that, that's my shop. Like that really was very cool for me. Um, but yeah, I think I, I, I can't really say that I have any like other celebrity run-ins other than that, but those are the best ones. <laughs> the author ones are the best ones. Mm -hmm. Have you been to any book signings or conferences where you, you have fangirled over other authors? You know, I had my debut novel and I did go to quite a few cons. Um, I, yes, I ran into Alyssa Cole and I was like, oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> I was like a deer in headlights, what? Um, but again, I only fangirl over authors. So yes, um, let's see. But then like COVID hit. And so like the second, you know, my second outing as an author where I would go to these cons never happened because of COVID. So, I mean, I only got really one shot. It was book con and I did fangirl over everyone I met over there. So yeah. Well, hopefully those will be coming back again. Yes, yeah, I can't really miss out on that. My reading has, you know, going into a, a bookstore and just not being able to, to go shopping for books. And it's just something about being able to look at them and look at the covers and touch them and everything. You know, it's definitely slowed everything down when you're just looking at eBooks online. And, and yeah. Um, so yeah, it'll be nice to get back to some of those events. I agree. So we do have a couple of people who want to know what you're reading right now and if there's anything you recommend. So I just got Farrah Rashan's book yesterday, The Dating Playbook, and I am super, super excited for that book. Um, it's the follow-up book, um, my gosh, The Boyfriend Project. That was the one previous. And all of the ladies in that book are going to get their own book. So I'm super, super excited to get started on that one. Um, I just finished The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Loved it. That was amazing. Highly recommend um, anything by Taylor Jenkins Reid. I love her. Um, let's see. I read uh, People We Meet on Vacation by Emily Henry, which is how I got obsessed with Emily Henry. So um, that's definitely, it was a five-star read for me as well. And I understand that I've got a copy of One Last Stop on its way to me from Casey McQuiston. So oh, nice. yeah, got a lot of good reading coming up and I just finished some books that I really loved. Excellent. And let's see, someone wants to know, um, what is a dumpster fire cookie kit? Okay, so um, we did this cookie kit um, for 2020. It was like this kit, like a gingerbread house, only it was a dumpster fire with a little trash panda on it. And we sold them for Christmas. They shipped nationwide and you would assemble it. And it was quite literally a dumpster on fire with 2020 written on the front. Um, Google it. It went viral. Um, it's, they were super fun. They sold out really, really fast because of how popular they were. And Jenny Lawson got one and made it in her kitchen. So that was a proud moment for me. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun. Do you have any plans to do anything similar cookie kits that, that people can buy and that you'll ship? Or, I mean, I know that you'll ship um, right now. 
cupcakes and cookies, but do you have any other kits or anything like that that you've got coming up? Um, you know, we just let the staff sort of do whatever their hearts desire and create whatever they want to create. And when they have an idea, then we launch it company-wide. So it's hard to tell what's coming up. We just finished our unicorn poop event, which is our April Fool's Day event. It's very, very, very popular. Um, so we just finished that. But um, next, our next big event is um, Mother's Day. And okay. we might have some fun, maybe wine-themed cupcakes for that holiday. We always do fun stuff. Um, did I see that you have like margarita flavored cheesecake bars or something like a flight? We have, well, we have out, we have boozy inspired cupcakes. We ship nationwide. Um, and there's probably seven or eight different kinds of alcohol flavored cupcakes that are very good. Um, we've got a margarita cupcake. We've got a tequila sunrise cupcake. We've got uh, Bailey's Irish cream. We've got, um, uh, Irish cake bomb cupcakes. We've got We've got a ton of really fun stuff. We've got over 200 flavors. Pretty much any flavor you can think of, we have it. Your menu is um, extensive, yeah, as I was scrolling through. So I also do a show, we were talking about this earlier before we came on, called Romance Happy Hour, where we talk with authors, romance authors, and books. And I'm thinking I need to probably come up and grab some of your um, boozy cupcakes so mm -hmm. that we can try them on our show. That would be fantastic. That would be fantastic. <laughs> that would be awesome. All right, we've got, um, let's see, a question from Facebook, I think, um, is, is Abby the genius behind the marketing plans around unicorn poop? I'm thinking of the many and large highway signs in particular, is that outsourced or does it come from her brain? <laughs> um, that comes from my brain. Um, I actually, I had this guy one time email me and he was like, I am offended. You have a unicorn dragging its butt across the freeway. I'm like, I know, I'm sorry, but you saw it though, right? Um, yeah, I do all of the um, graphics. Well, I don't do the graphics. I hire a graphic designer to make the graphics, um, but I request them. Um, like all the stickers on the windows, uh, anything that goes on Instagram, all of that stuff is, is me. Um, updates to the website, that kind of stuff is me. And yes, the billboard on the freeway, it's a, it was a unicorn dragging its butt and there was a rainbow streak coming out from behind him. So that was the thing that got the gentleman very upset. He was very offended. Um, but yeah, we, we see that. <laughs> we had a lot of fun with that holiday, a lot of fun. All right, it looks like we have time for one more question. Um, have there been any rumblings about adapting the friend zone for the screen? And who would be your dream casting for that? Uh, right now, Throughline Entertainment has acquired the pitch rights for all three of my books, um, but they are only focusing on developing the Happy Ever After playlist because they think that book has the most movie potential. Um, Gail Mancuso has signed up to be the director for that movie, and Marisa Coughlin is going to be the screenwriter. So we've already got, we're assembling a dream team cast already um, for behind, the behind the scenes stuff. Mm -hmm. As far as like who would play in that movie, like my dream cast, I would want Chris Evans for Jason, um, maybe Teresa Palmer for Sloan, because I just love her. Um, and then maybe Anna Kendrick for Kristen, because she'd just be so much fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then Stuntman Mike would do his little cameo and he would play himself. <laughs> <laughs> so he'd get a credit. He'd get a little credit, yeah. <laughs> that sounds great. Well, I think we are out of time. Um, Abby, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I really enjoyed having a chance to chat with you. And this has been um, fantastic. So where can people find you if they want to 
find you after this? You mentioned you you have a very active, engaged Facebook group. Is that where? Yes. For you. So follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok under author Abby Jimenez. Um, and my group is if you go to my Facebook page, it's one of the groups that I manage. It's I think it's pretty easy to find. Um, it's called the Friend Zone Discussion Group by author Abby Jimenez. So that's my main group. And then I also have a separate group for all of my books where we do spoiler discussion in there. So once you're done reading Life's Too Short, go join the Life's Too Short discussion group. And you can talk about it with um, other people that have read it. It's like a support group. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. I popped in there today. So I'll, I'll definitely be checking that out. So thanks for joining us. Have a great night, everyone. That wraps up our Scott County Library event with Abby Jimenez. Make sure to catch our next club book event with Lawrence Wright. Pulitzer Prize winning writer Lawrence Wright is an acclaimed journalist, screenwriter, and novelist. His latest is the eerily prescient novel, The End of October, a 2020 medical thriller about a virus and pandemic that ravages the globe. Visit us online at clubbook.org for details on past and present seasons, sign up for our e-newsletter, check out our calendar, and so much more. Stay up to date with all of our events at our Clubbook Facebook page. If you're on Twitter, find us using the handle clubbookmn. And if you enjoy these free Clubbook events and podcasts, remember to share them with your friends. They just may too. Thanks again to all those who make Clubbook possible, including Melsa, Library Strategies, and Minnesota's Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Our sponsors include MinPost and Red Balloon Bookshop, where you can purchase all the books featured in Clubbook. Finally, a very special thank you to all the libraries hosting events this season. That's it for Clubbook, the coolest club in town. We'll see you at the library.